this is gonna be a big episode. Yeah. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, coat this one out in the beginning. Um, welcome to Creature Crunch, the show where we take a monster and we put it down in front of a five year old me and change his life forever. My name is Matt. And I'm Raymond Burr staring disapprovingly at a uh, Dr. Pepper uh, promotion. So, uh, <clears throat> a few years ago, um, a friend of mine asked me why I was so into Godzilla. Like, he didn't understand mm -hmm. the fascination that I have. So, let me take you on a journey here, Chris. <laughs> Imagine this. You're five years old, and being a little boy in 1991, you are obviously obsessed with dinosaurs. Every week, your mom stops by the local video store and rents a movie, um... But you've seen all the dinosaur movies that they have available dozens of times, and you want something new. You're bugging her constantly. I want, I want dinosaur, dinosaur, dinosaur. Not that one, not that one, not that one. Seen them all. Um, so while browsing the selection one day, she spots a movie called Godzilla 1985 on the shelf and thinks, well, that's dinosaur adjacent, and checks it out. When she gets home, she pops that sucker into the VCR, and you settle in to watch another dinosaur movie. Bam! Not only do you watch a movie about a dinosaur that looks like a T-Rex, which is objectively the coolest dino when you're five, uh, but that dinosaur is thousands of times bigger than in any ordinary T-Rex. Then it kind of turns to the side and, oh man, it has dorsal plates like the Stegosaurus, which is easily in the top five of the coolest dinosaurs of that age. But it doesn't have lame diamond-shaped plates. Oh no, this dino has extra and has dorsal plates in such a unique shape that you can't even think of a word that describes them. And this dinosaur plows through a power plant, just freaking deadlifts a reactor like it's nobody's business. And, of course, you're five years old and you have no idea what any of this means, but who cares? It's so cool! And then, and then, the dinosaur's dorsal plates glow blue. And blue is your favorite color! What?! Oh my god. So, at this point, your mind is pretty thoroughly blown, right? And, I mean, get those weak-ass dinosaurs out of here. We have a freaking king of dinosaurs. No, no, the god of dinosaurs. It's right there in the name. Oh, but we're not done yet. You see, the military mobilizes, and they start shooting this dinosaur, and he just doesn't give a shit. He's just plowing through, and it's so cool, and then, and then... It opens its mouth and shoots a goddamn blue laser from its mouth. Dragons have fire breath. Chaboy has mother friggin' laser breath. And not just like a puny, weak little pew pew laser, but a full-on tidal wave of pure destructive energy that blasts the environment and your mind into little bits. That is how I was introduced to Godzilla and a large part of why I adore him so much. It, it was ingrained in me at a very young age. And I just fell in love and have been in love with it ever since. I like Gamera because he's a big old turtle. <laughs> Shut up! We're not talking about Gamera here! But what if we were? <laughs> was that not what I was supposed to watch? Was the Gamera movies? <laughs> Chris, get out of here. Oh. No. <laughs> so, that, that is the best way I can describe yeah. my love of Godzilla is just that intro. That, that way that I was introduced to him and... Uh, and and it became such a big part of my life because it did. Like, I mean, anybody who knows me knows that mm -hmm. like I'm obsessed. So yeah, it is like the biggest part of your personality. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even consider myself the biggest Godzilla fan, or even close to. I mean, I, mm -hmm. but but it is probably my biggest fandom. So, um, regardless, uh, so when we of course start sat down and started doing this podcast, we knew that 
this day was coming. Yeah. We knew Godzilla well, was coming. Yeah. And I've talked to you a lot, a little bit off mic about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a while to settle on which movie to start with. I mean, the obvious answer was the original Godzilla, right. 1954, um, arguably like the best Godzilla movie. Like it, you ask a Godzilla fan, which which is the best one? That that's the one they're going to point to. I mean, it's at the top of any list. It's it's just, I mean, and it is a good film. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's not my favorite. My favorite, of course, is this one because it holds such a large part of my history, my childhood, my nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. I would say this isn't like it's not a bad movie, but it's not a good movie either. And and of course, when I talk about this movie, I am specifically talking about Godzilla 1985, not The Return of Godzilla, which are the same film, but they are distinctly different. They're very different. Because yeah. um, The Return of Godzilla, uh, for those uninitiated, is the original movie. It's It, it released in 1984, and uh, it was a direct sequel to the first one. Mm-hmm. It, it completely ignored all of the other movies that they had come out with subsequently from yeah. um, from the uh, Godzilla Raids Again, which is the, the second one, all the way to uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla. So in between all of those, there's a, like a little over a dozen films. They just ignored all of those and made a direct sequel mm-hmm. to the original. And... Um, which they would do again later with uh, Godzilla 2000? Godzilla 2000 is a direct sequel. GMK is a direct yeah. sequel. Um, there's a few direct sequels yeah. to the original. It's not the first time or the last... Or it's right. not the last time that they would do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's what they decided like to do. With choose this. your own adventure story. <laughs> right. When this movie came out, it had been 10 years since the previous one, which mm-hmm. is which uh, I mentioned is Terror of Mechagodzilla, which was the direct sequel to the first Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Um, and it had been a while since anybody had seen Godzilla, and he was starting to kind of lose the luster, and Toho was like, hey, let's make this movie. Let's make a sequel directly to the, from the original one, bring it tonally back to that original one. Right. Because, I mean, the Godzilla versus movies, the, the Shawa era, as they're known, um, they're a lot of fun. But they're also a lot more goofy, and... That's where you have Godzilla sliding on his tail, and doing the, the victory dance, and Son of Godzilla. And, right, right. Yeah. That's that's where most uh, most people pull a lot of their Godzilla knowledge from. Yeah. Because it, that's the goofity shit. That's the, the really funny yeah. dubs, the really weird storylines, aliens, and, and time travel, and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there would Jet be more... Jaguar. <laughs> Jet Jaguar. Um, there'd be more of that to come in, in future movies, and done in a... Again, in a more of a serious tone. Um, but, th- I mean, those are the goofy ones. Those are the ones that people think mm-hmm. of, a lot of people think of. And, you know, the Mystery Science three- Theater 3000 fodder, basically. Yeah, yeah. But this one, they wanted to come back to the original roots. They wanted to, to draw back to that original source material, make a movie that was also part commentary on everything going on. Which, um, I mean, arguably a lot of the other later movies would do the same thing, but I don't yeah. think any others did it quite as well until Shin Godzilla. Yeah, that's why I was going to say it's like rewatching this because I, I had seen it before, but I mean, it, I watched it with you and that was a long ass time ago. Um, it reminded me so much of Shin Godzilla just in like its political commentary. And it's like, okay, if this was actually happening, like how would not just people, how would the governments react and right. stuff like that? Right. And like, you can definitely tell this is a Cold War movie. A hundred percent. And uh, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about yeah, that yeah. a little bit more here in a minute, but um, that, that yeah, they decided to bring him back. And because this is the movie that introduced, introduced me to Godzilla, I, like I said, I when mm-hmm. it came time to figuring out which, which Godzilla movie to do, this was the one that I could only think of. This yeah. is the only one that I, I was like, nope, this is it. I mean, there's a ton of others that I absolutely adore. I love to death. 
and for various different reasons. But again, this one holds such a place in my heart that I consider it my all-time favorite movie. Um, and again, it's the American edit, not the original. Yeah, yeah. That being said, I did watch them both and compared them both and took notes on both of them. Um, and while the original is good mm-hmm. and the American edit is unnecessary at times, I still actually argue that it's a better film. Yeah. But I'm probably colored by nostalgia, but we'll get into that. So <laughs> without getting too much further off the trail, off the trail here, um, I, I just wanted to kind of preface by saying that Chris, um, starting with this one, um, I'm going to take you down what I would like to call the Matt experience of Godzilla. I thought you were going to say the Matt hole, and I got really worried. <laughs> Don't no, that's that's something else Don't entirely. Don't want to go down the Matt hole. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm going to take you through the Godzilla experience via me. Okay. Um, starting with this movie, uh, I'm not going to be doing every single movie for the next like however many. Yeah, this uh, isn't going to be another uh, male mammal tutorial. Yeah. No, no. That beat us up. Right. That's um, how we got into this mess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, and, and is, but eventually I'm going to be covering some of the other more key movies from the Godzilla franchise right. that are important to me and me specifically. Okay. Um, but we'll get into those when we get into those. But for right now, we're going to talk about this one. Uh, so, of course, uh, I mean, spoilers for a 1984 <laughs> a movie that's <laughs> a movie. year younger than I am. <laughs> but... Here we go. So, um, a little bit of a little bit more behind the scenes from this. Yeah, uh, the film was a smashing success in Japan and got American audiences interested in Godzilla again. And it was largely due to this film that the original '54 masterpiece was finally being looked at and as, a, as an artistic achievement that it was by American audiences. Yeah, yeah. Up until this point, it was it was still that spectacle. It was just another monster movie. Right, um, right. Up at the, up at that point, American audiences didn't really have access to the original cut of the '54 film, and they just had the American the American cut, which again is arguably a much worse movie in that original one. Yeah. Um, but it got them to officially look at this and start looking at like the original and realizing that no, this is actually a something special kind of a movie. It's not Mm -hmm. the the goofy monster movie we thought it was. Um, And then of course, additionally, as you mentioned, the, there's a lot of nuclear and cold war themes in this film. Yeah, for sure. And it got a lot of American audiences to really start criticizing, or at least it didn't get them to start, but it really brought in a lot of the criticism of the Reagan administration and talk about the message of this movie, um, and they ended up talking about the message more than they talked about the movie itself. Mm-hmm. So, um, for those who did see it, it, it meant a lot at the time because it was kind of, it was a period piece. It was very much steeped, and like you said, it's a Cold War film, right? Yeah, th- like this is very much about the Cold War in the same way that Shin Godzilla is about the response to the the earthquake in in Japan, right? So. Um, Roger Corman's New World Pictures grabbed the American distribution rights. He just keeps coming back. Yep, he, he does, and he, <laughs> he probably will. Like, I, I guess a lot of other, um, you know, a lot of other studios just kept passing on this. They didn't want yeah. to touch it, but of course, Roger Corman. <laughs> Roger only, Corman never met a movie he'd say <laughs> no to. Yeah, so he grabbed this and he did the distribution rights um, and began immediately re-editing and filming new scenes for American audiences in much the same way that the original was. Yeah. Um, now, like I said, while the original is arguably a worse film after the edits, this one I feel has a lot more room for discussion. Um, even if, like I said, I know that I have rose-tinted glasses in that. Uh, I 
I adore the American edit, but I honestly think that there is something to be said about this yeah. one. And part of that is uh, is due to uh, Raymond Burr, actually. So uh, we'll get mm-hmm. to that in a second. But um, the film was directed by Koji Hashimoto, who had uh, worked on a number of other Godzilla films as an assistant director and a third assistant director and stuff. He'd, he'd dabbled here and there. Uh, and he would go on to work uncredited on many other Godzilla films after this one. But this was the only one that he actually directed. Mm. Um, and as you may all also know, that the uh, the 1985 edit is yeah. very difficult to obtain these days. Uh, it's never had an official DVD plus release. Right. Uh, and it can only be officially obtained on VHS, Beta, and Laserdisc. Yeah. Uh, I was able to watch it because um, archive.org has it uploaded on their site. Sure. So that's where I was able to watch it. Cool. It's a not a great... <laughs> Like, translation. Like, right. the pixels on that fucker were as big as cats. <laughs> but I was still able to watch it. Right. Um, and, and thanks to you, um, like, here while back, you had gotten mm-hmm. me a semi-bootlegged version of it uh, that came with the both the American edit yep. and the original. Um, so this it, it's actually the second DVD copy I own, but it's the only version of this that I have. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is that through the movie, like, it's it's dubbed in English, obviously. It's mm-hmm. it's edited in English and everything. But there are a lot of Russian speaking parts. And in the yeah. original like VHS and the original or in the, in the original edit, you know, they're obviously sub or uh, yeah, they're subtitled. But for whatever reason in this bootleg version they didn't get the subtitles on the the Russian speaking scenes. I have to wonder if the the rip I watched on archive was from the same bootleg because it just it was just like nothing at the bottom. <laughs> Okay. So you just, you'd know, you'd pick up what they were saying based off of context clues? Kind of, yeah. And then I was looking into, today while I was at work, I had some downtime and I was looking into stuff about this movie because I knew we were going to record. And I found out that, like, in the original edit, it, like, they are saying things in Russian. Like, they are saying phrases in Russian. And in the 85 edit, they're saying less things in Russian and more just the same phrase over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, for American audiences, it didn't matter. <laughs> no, it didn't matter. We hated those Ruskies. Right. <laughs> Which comes through in a little bit it of the It very much does. Um, we'll cover that in a minute. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so it, it is very hard to actually watch the, the 1985 Yeah, edit. it's almost impossible to find. It, it is impossible through legal means. Right. Like, you're not going to find an official release of this. You're not going to find an official release. I doubt if they ever release it. On, right, which on... to me is a crying shame. It's a bummer, but like with Toei's like rights, like chokehold that they have yeah, on to- everything. Toho is or Toho, excuse yeah. me, Toho. Yeah, yeah, Toho is. I was thinking Dragon Ball. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, Toho is very, very protective of this property. Yeah. Um, so much so that it honestly leaves a slightly bad taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. So, copyright law just sucks in general, and... Right, yeah. yeah. And international copyright law makes it yeah. even more muddy and confusing. And Toho is... Like, they will exercise every right they can, and they do. Which is why sure. you, why it's very difficult to find actual, like, Godzilla material on YouTube, and, like, right. clips, yeah. and, and Hell, even music the official and releases of the movies were rough to get until just a couple of years ago when they released those big box sets. Yeah, the Criterion Collection. Yeah, yeah. And, and even that, like... Half of those movies are only available in the Japanese yeah. subs. There's no dubs for them, which which is is a bummer for me because you know I've got a I've got a five year old who I'd love to introduce to Godzilla, right? And oh, she's not she, going to be able to read those yet, She'll, right? She's right. getting there, but yeah, I mean, she still watches them, oh, she still yeah. enjoys oh, yeah. them, but um, neither here nor there. So uh, we're going to jump in officially. Uh, we get to the movie proper. 
Uh, and right away, right away, there's a big difference between the films on the opening. Um, and again, I'm going to be covering the 1985 version, but I will be interjecting with the edits that I picked up on because yeah, yeah. I practically watched these movies side by side. Um, but the American edit, of course, you get the title burn um, where you, you basically like it, it's it's the kind of the 1980s thing at the time where the title was burned into some sort of drop, you know, and you just saw fire um, in the background. Whereas the Japanese version, it's just a bunch of different volcano shots of, of a volcano erupting, which ends up being actually important to the story. Um, right. And the American version just kind of glazes over that. Um, but either way, you get some pretty epic music. And, uh, legendary <laughs> composer, uh, Akira Ikefube, who would not, who not only composed some of the most iconic scores in the franchise, uh, but is also credited as being responsible for creating the most recognizable monster roar in history. He's the one who created Godzilla's roar. Oh, okay. Um, he was unfortunately unable to score this film. Uh, so instead, Toho brought in, uh, Rijiro Kuroko to provide the music. Uh, and he gave us a very somber and yet epic score that I absolutely The music, adore. like, works for this movie. Like, mm -hmm. it is... Especially in the, the ending scenes. Like, it is brilliant. It, yeah, and, yeah. and that is one of the big key differences between the two, is when the music plays and which music plays. Yes, exactly. And I'm of the opinion that, again, the American edit, the music is a little bit more tonally accurate... Because, like, there's a scene later on when Godzilla picks up a train, and in the American edit, it's this really dramatic, very epic music. Mm -hmm. In the Japanese, it's kind of, like, a little bit more flowery and just kind of, like, I yeah. don't know, it doesn't fit to me. It, but, it's, but again, Both I, cuts are tonally weird. <laughs> right, right. Which, again, it could be just because I'm so used to the, uh, the original, and... For a me, a personal me thing, um, my strongest memory sense is hearing. Yeah. Like, I remember audio cues so much better than anything else. So when I am presented with a different audio cue than I'm used to... It, it sticks it, out it, like a sore thumb. It does, and, yeah. and I find it very distracting. So um, so that's my own personal opinion, but uh, but there you go. So um, we, we see a ship called the Yahadamaru, which is caught in a storm, and it basically witnesses what looks like a mountain exploding. Yeah. Um, the Yahadamaru captain is played by a man named uh, Shigo Kata, uh, who played a huge variety of really tiny roles in Godzilla and other Toho movies, mm -hmm. uh, including the original um, Mothra, King, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Hedorah, Terror of Mechagodzilla, and even the uh, what would come out later on, Godzilla vs. Mechagirus. Um, but most of his credits are like Running Man, Janitor, factory worker <laughs> and this time he's ship captain yeah this time he's ship captain but I, I thought that is interesting so yeah um but yeah the uh the ship witnesses this mountain explode and something bad happens to them they they it ends with the the sound of godzilla roaring mm -hmm. and and we immediately cut to um, a character named steve martin played by raymond burr looking ominously distressed uh, let, let's 
Okay. He was Steve Martin in 54. Okay, in this one, so... he's Mr. Martin because there was already a Steve Martin. <laughs> so, yes. the the uh, Let's talk about that elephant. Yeah, let's quick. Yeah. So, the character's name is Steve that Martin. That wild and from... crazy elephant. <laughs> so, Raymond Burr played a character named Steve Martin in 1954. Yeah. This was before Steve Martin, the comedian actor, would right. become rise to popularity. It was, it was a good, like, decade and some change. Yeah. So, when they brought um, Mr. Burr back to reprise his role... They had to very purposefully never call him Steve Martin. Yeah, yeah. They just call him Mr. Martin. Yeah, yeah. Um, so which is really funny. It is really, really funny. But um, Raymond Burr brings such a presence to this movie and, too, and that's one of the things that I like. the The additional American scenes with the Pentagon and all of the the mm-hmm. military guys, like those guys, are goofy and doofus and yeah. just really awkward. But Raymond Burr is so <laughs> intense, and I. He's Love very it. dignified in this. Oh my god, I I could just slurp up his performance in yeah. this with a thick straw. Dude was a good actor. He was an amazing actor. Um, and uh, his his character in both films. Uh, in the first one, he was he was a reporter. And now right. he's retired. Um, but he in in the fiction of the American edits, he bore witness to Godzilla's first appearance. Yeah. Um. And again, like I said, while I do feel that the 54 film felt weird with the added scenes because it's, it's like very out of place. Well, yeah, because in that one, it's it's Raymond Burr talking and reacting to characters who very clearly were not filmed with him, and it's yeah. just like it's very distracting and awkward. Yeah, it's Raymond it, Burr sitting in a room by himself and just like react reaction right. shots. Yeah. Whereas in this one, all the films, you know, he reacts and, and interacts with people who were also filmed at the same time. Yeah. And they're usually reacting to things going on, or if they're quote-unquote, communicating or dealing with the people in the yeah. movie. It's via, you know, speaker. It's on the phone or something like yeah, that. So yeah. there's a little bit of a separation there, which I appreciate. Um, and the extra scenes, like I said, they do certainly have a cringe factor, but I think that his reprisal is very important to the film. And yeah. again, I prefer it to the original. Um, also, according to Burr, he was very proud of his association with the Godzilla films. Yeah. And when he did reprise, return to reprise his role, he had already gotten pretty a considerable amount of clout from the TV show Perry Mason. And he used that to ensure that the American edit didn't deviate too far away from uh, Hashimoto's original vision. Which is a good thing because like, I guess they originally wanted to edit this movie to be like more of a comedy with Godzilla in it. And they wanted to make a lot of the dialogue like lighter and funnier and stuff like that. And like he, he was able to argue like almost all of that out of the script, except for one line. See, I didn't actually. Yeah, I didn't read up any of these. It's that it's that one line where they're in um, what is the the NATO base or uh, NORAD? NORAD. Well, they're it's the Pentagon. Yeah, they're in the Pentagon. Okay, yeah, yeah. And um, Godzilla's like it's when he's destroying buildings and and stuff like that. Oh, I know what you're talking about. The one like soldiers like huh. That's like that's one hell of an urban renewal program going on over there. Like you see Raymond Burr sitting in the background, looking like he just swallowed a lemon. Yeah. That wasn't him acting. He was pissed. <laughs> he was so upset because well, he, he had argued so much to get, like, to make sure that this was accurate to the original vision, that it was accurate to the original movie in tone and seriousness and message. And then, like, this dude just playing yuck yucks, and he's just like, I am going to fucking stab you, dude. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it, it, it fits because, like, Again, with the rest of the tone of the movie, like that yeah. line comes out as so insensitive. It's like, yeah, it's so ham-handed dude. and bad, and yeah. But anyway, so 
Um, so I, I appreciate Raymond Burr a oh, considerable God, yeah. amount. He's, he's a hero to this franchise. <laughs> he really is. Um, so we cut back. Um, a reporter named Goromaki, who's played by Ken Tanaka, finds the vessel and he boards uh, this derelict Yahad Maru um, mm-hmm. while listening to you know, a news broadcast explaining what had happened, that they'd been missing. Uh, and he ends up finding all of the crew dead except for one man. Right. Um, in in the Japanese version, he actually you, there's a quick scene of him actually checking the survivor's wallet to yeah. learn his identity, and he finds a picture of this guy and his sister, I, which I, isn't in the American version. Yeah, I guess the I haven't watched it, but I guess the Japanese version is a lot more extended in this scene than the American one. Well, okay, than the eighty-five so, cut. So the the original is actually t- uh, eleven minutes longer than the American edit. Like the, the full movie or? The full movie okay. is 11 minutes longer than the entirety of the American edit. Yeah. Which means there are a lot of scenes that they cut. There's 11 minutes cut yeah, from yeah. there. And then when you take out all of the American scenes, that's a lot more time that the, the Japanese. Right. So there there are quite a few extended parts. Um, and this is one of the bigger ones. Yeah. So not only do we, you know, do we not see this picture of him and his sister. I don't know why they cut that because it that's does. That's very strange. Well, yeah. And it does come up later on. But, um. He, uh, we get a scene where he's attacked, of course, by a mutated sea lice. This is shit I love because it's like, I, I love it when the, the kaiju are ecosystems unto themselves. Right. Where, like, they're, they're just the fact that they are in the world affects the world. Like, they don't even have to be doing anything. This is a fucking lice that fell off of Godzilla. Yeah. And it's murdering people. <laughs> right. In the American edit, um, it's not really explained in any way. Yeah, at it's all. not. It like, is just... I remember it, it took years for me to, like, later, years later, I was uh-huh. reading a book about this movie. And that's when I learned what this was. Um, but in the original Japanese edit, there's a... Or in the original Japanese version, there's a lot more talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and discussion on it. And they, they kind of theorize that these things yes they're sea louse or they're sea lice and they grew this size and mutated because they just fed off of so much radiation from godzilla yeah yeah but um also the american edit gave them like this weird squeaky noise for some reason that like kind of styrofoam <laughs> against styrofoam squeaky oh that's noise. not in that is other... not in the original oh i thought that was just the noise they made <laughs> also in the original he fights the sea lice for yeah. a lot yeah. longer than you've I, I read this. that. Yeah, like it's you get to see a lot more of the sea louse. That's funny. Um, which is again too bad because it actually looks really cool in the original. Yeah. Um, but it does. It's a it's a pretty cool puppet. It is. So eventually, it does jump on him and uh-huh. it begins crawling towards his face, and he is saved by the survivor, uh, who is named uh, in <laughs> Kenny uh, Okamaru. Uh, who's played by Shin Takuma, who would go on to play a character named Tokumitsu Yuhara, in, which is one of the protagonists in Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Um, and his character helped create the uh, the Mechagodzilla named Kiryu in that Kiryu, film. Yeah. So Now, near as I can tell, Kenny here is the only name that was changed for the American edit. Yeah, and I, have I read that. And I have no idea why. His, his Japanese name is Hiroshi. His and, name is Hiroshi Okamura. Yeah, and they actually refer to him as Hiroshi at one point in the 85 cut. See, I didn't catch that. Yeah, they but... do. It, so I don't know why they changed it, except to fill out the Kinney quotient. <laughs> For some reason, and I do not know why, in a lot of dubs of uh, kaiju movies, there's a character named Kinney. I wonder if it's like an inside joke or something. I don't know. It, it's especially prevalent in the uh, Gamera movies. I had not, I had not, I was yeah. unaware of this. Yeah, it's really strange. Like, the, the kid that Gamera befriends is Kenny. Sure. And then, like, 
there's another character named Kenny in one of the other movies, and it just keeps popping up that there's a character named Kenny. That is so wild. To the yeah. point where, like, in, in for the Gamera movies, like, the, the small child who is, who knows that Gamera has a good heart inside, even though he's wrecking buildings and shit, is usually called the Kenny. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly didn't know that. I, I tried to look into the reasons why his name was changed, and I couldn't come up with anything, but... Now that I, you mentioned that, it almost has to be has like some to sort be, of dubbing inside joke. Don't know why. It's that's just so very funny. strange. But so that's what we're presented with. So I will be referring to him as Kenny because that's right. the end the edit that I'm following. But... <laughs> Except that one time where he's referred to as Hiroshi. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Kenny cryptically tells Maki about what he saw before being rescued by a, a helicopter. The two men are mm-hmm. um, rescued, and in the original edit. Um, Kenny's a lot more descriptive. Uh, he, he talks, he tells a lot more in the American edit. It's a lot more cryptic, a lot more like, yeah. shrouded in mystery. But in the original, he, he goes into pretty good detail. Um, we get a scene in the original edit that where in the original where, uh, Maki is like trying to get his story run. There's another character with him who's right. completely removed from the American edit. Um, <laughs> I love it when edits do that. They just completely cut out characters. Well, to be fair, she, I, I think she's a relation to his of some okay. sort. And she is literally only in this one scene and has, like, one line of dialogue. So I can see why they cut this scene. It's really unnecessary because we later find out, like, we know he's going to run it. Yeah. Um, and there's also a scene where Kenny's in the hospital and is in, uh, and, and is met by a biophysicist professor named Hayashida, who's played by Yosuke Natsuki. Natsuki had previously played Detective Shindo, which is the lead role in Ghidorah, the Three-Headed Monster. That's one I haven't seen. Okay. I, I haven't seen the original Ghidorah. Um, I've seen a lot, but I haven't seen that for whatever reason. <laughs> um, and he, he ends up showing Kenny, or I guess uh, Okamura, uh, some pictures of Godzilla's first attack in 1954 to confirm that, yes, this was Godzilla. Right. This entire scene was not yeah, in the it's, American. Yeah, it's not in there. No. It was gone. Um, which, again, I think is an important thing because like it, it, it adds a little bit more of a mystery to what's going on. It does, and it makes it a little like a little more fuzzy what's going on, even though we're watching a movie called Godzilla, so we can probably assume what's going on. It, the characters don't know that. Right, right. Um, I think it helps the dramatic irony a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to be fair, like the very next scene, even in the American edit, is the Prime Minister saying, being informed that it's Godzilla. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. But I don't know, it's... I, I do think weird. it helps keep the pacing a little bit better, if nothing else. And that's the biggest thing about the American edit, yeah. I think, is the, the Japanese edit has weird pacing. Um, whereas I, the American edit yeah. flows a lot more. I, I've noticed that with a lot of, of kaiju movies, is that at least, like, I have, apparently have very American taste when it comes to this, but the pacing always seems a little off to me. Right. Like, even Shin Godzilla, which is my favorite Godzilla movie, the pacing is still slow in a few places. Yeah. And it, it very well may be a cultural difference. Yeah. Thing. I honestly don't. I, I can't speak to that. I'm not a smart enough person to comment <laughs> on that. It's just something I have noticed. Right. Um, so, again, back in the American edit, the Prime Minister's, like I said, informed that it's Godzilla, and he yeah. decides that he needs to keep this under wraps so as to not cause a panic. Which is hilarious. Because how do you keep that under wraps for, like... <laughs> right. It, well, especially since, like... Like, obviously, as we find out later, Maki and the, uh, and, and the, the newspaper he works for are uh-huh. not necessarily on any under any kind of like non-disclosure agreement or yeah anything. yeah they're talking about it but i guess they just don't want it to be as widespread they don't want to announce it formally because they're afraid it's just going to cause this big panic well yeah but it, i mean it's going to cause a bigger panic when the lizard walks ashore right but um so maki's story obviously isn't printed and he's pretty upset about it he, he and, confronts yeah. his boss um and his boss 
tells him basically like no it's it would cause widespread panic and hysteria we're going to we are going to um adhere to the government's wishes and not print your story so um he does however for whatever reason i i guess maybe to extrapolate on the story for when like i think it's never stated in either version but um the boss his boss tells him to go and meet with with professor hayashida in the meantime right who is an expert, like the foremost expert on Godzilla. And it's not stated in either movie as to why necessarily, but my assumption was that like the boss was pretty much like, this is going to get blown out of the water. Make your story even more juicy. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be my guess, but um, it, it would be good if that was a little more implied in the text, eh. such as it is. It's it's not that important. It, no, it's, it's just really a means not. to an end. It's, it's a means for our main character, Maki, to meet with, the uh, the Doctor Sarazawa uh, stand-in, yeah, yeah. of Doctor uh, of Professor Hayashida. I, um, I have to admit, I was kind of impressed that they didn't make him a uh, a direct Sarazawa, right, 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 yeah. No, he's actually like the uh, the Sarazawa antithesis almost. Yeah, because I, yeah. Uh, again, for those uninitiated, Doctor Sarazawa in the original movie is the man who created the weapon to kill Godzilla, mm-hmm. and his whole his whole shtick, um, part of the analog for the nuclear weapons, was that. He didn't want this weapon to be used any ever again. He, he realized the horror that he had created and the potential that it meant. So he ends up dying with the device taking down Godzilla. Whereas uh, Professor Hayashida in this movie, like we, we find out very quickly after, after Maki meets him that Hayashida started studying Godzilla because his parents were killed in the, the original attack. Um, but he has since come to respect the monster and he mm-hmm. realizes that it isn't like the monster isn't to blame. Humanity is for our their, their, their follies. Right. And Hayashida and many of the other scenes in this movie continues to say like Godzilla not only can't be destroyed, but kind of shouldn't. That's like an ongoing theme in this movie, especially in the American edit. Right. Is that like Godzilla is not a natural phenomenon or well yeah 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 he's not a natural phenomenon. He's a phenomenon that we created whether accidentally or not. He's something we're just going to have to put up with because we cannot we can't do anything t- against him. Like, yeah, the, Godzilla is the repercussions of humanity's actions. Yeah. And, and in repercussions of that magnitude cannot be repaired. Y- yeah, you can't just shoot it with a missile. Right. And, uh, Literally. And, <laughs> right. And, like, uh, I think a lot of people would probably consider a lot of the, the American edited scenes and Raymond Burr's speeches to be just kind of like beating a dead horse. But I, I, I like it. Yeah, I it really it. drives home the message of the movie. Right. Like, it, it's yeah. Yep. And and Professor Hayashida is is uh, I would say echoing this, but Ray Burr is echoing him. But whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're Hayashida actually, is saying the same thing. They're so, echoing each other. It rhymes. Right. <laughs> like poetry. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> like I said, Hayashida is almost the the opposite of of uh, yeah. Sarazawa because you know Sarazawa is like we need to deal with this and stop it. Yeah. Hayashida is like we can't. So I, I actually really like Hayashida as a character. Yeah. Especially like when you find out that Hayashida's parents were killed by Godzilla. Right, right. And he even straight up says, he's like, like Maki asks him, like, that probably made you very bitter. This is yeah, probably, don't was you want, it revenge? Yeah, was it revenge that made you start it? And Hayashida's like, at first, yes. But I've gotten past that. And I yeah. again I appreciate that as well. Hayashida's it's, story is done. Yeah, it is so like he's I, I like that like he's him a, a good, lot. He's a good character. He's a very, very good character. Um, but while talking to, uh, to Professor Hayashida, Maki sees um, Kenny's sister, Naoko, 
uh, who's played by uh, Yoko Sawaguchi, uh, who voices Chihiro's mother in Spirited Away. Oh, I didn't know that. And who would also go on to play Erika Shirigami in Godzilla vs. Biolanti. Yeah. And if what? you don't know who Erika is, that's okay. Yeah. But, but Erika... You should know. <laughs> yeah. Erika in... in if, I think it's funny because Godzilla vs. Biolanti is a direct sequel to this movie. Yeah. And you have the same actress playing a different character. Right. Who's kind of pivotal because Erika in Godzilla vs. Biolanti is Biolanti. In a lot in of a, ways, In yes. a way, yeah. yeah. So... Anyway, and while Shin Godzilla is my, my favorite Godzilla movie, Biolanti's my favorite monster. Out, easily. Yeah, Biolanti is... rad as shit. Her design is so cool. It is. So, anyway... Um, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> not, yep. Uh, so, Naoko is uh, working with Professor Hayashida, and um, and we, we now see the payoff of Maki with that picture. I don't right. know why he kept Kenny's picture for some reason. It's, it's like... Who knows? You, just, you went through his wallet, you saw this picture of him yeah. and some girl, and you just you just stole it. But, whatever. Um, I bet I'm gonna meet her. This is gonna be important later. And goes into his inventory. And he can, like, turn it around and see that there's a signature on the back or whatever. This is an evil style. Yeah. Um, Gotta find the chicken key. <laughs> it's in Godzilla's stomach. It's... Gotta get in there. Um... But yeah, Hayashida uh, informs Maki that she's completely clueless as to her brother's rescue. For all she knows, and for all the public knows, is that he's dead. The Hadamaru is well, not dead, but still missing. Still missing. Yes, exactly. Um, and Hayashida asks Maki to keep it quiet. Like you need to. We, we are not going to tell her because that would that would the, open the, the floodgates on the whole story. Yeah. Uh, next scene, uh, Maki <laughs> tells. So that didn't take. Yeah, Maki tells her <laughs> immediately. He he spills them beans real quick. Like at first, like she even. Like, he approaches her, and he's like, hey, you know, are you Kenny's sister? And she's like, yeah, have you heard anything? He's like, no, I'm sorry, I haven't. And then, like, five minutes later, he's like, by the way, So that was a lie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, and then, of course, uh, and then in the in the Japanese edit, the uh-huh. scene goes on a little bit longer, and Maki spills even more beans oh, really? and begins telling her, oh, yeah, it's Godzilla. It's Jesus. totally Godzilla. That's what's going on. Why even bother, man? Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, and we cut to a scene where Naoko is uh, basically breaking into the hospital to see her brother. And uh, in another cut scene, um, we see Maki and uh, another reporter follow her in and begin taking pictures of the two in their reunion. I see why they cut this. Yeah. Because like later on in the movie, there's a little animosity between them. They're like, how could you do that? And then it's immediately dropped. In the next scene, they're together. They're like berating him. And then after that, it's just completely forgotten. It's so. Um, anyway, meanwhile, uh, we cut to a scene where a Russian sub is attacked by Godzilla. Yeah. And this is another. This is like the first major scene that I think that the music adds a lot more to the in the American edit because mm-hmm. there's the entire time this very kind of tense music playing, this kind of suspenseful thing. In the Japanese version, it's almost completely silent up until the impact. Okay. And it, it doesn't build the tension like I feel it should. Um, but I really adore this scene, and it's really sad that in the Ameri- in any American edit you that you can get through most means now does not have the subtitles right. here, but whatever. Um, we then cut to the Pentagon, where a general is being de- debriefed on the situation. Um, and through this, we get... Uh, we get info that was either cut from the original Japanese version or clarification on what was already presented. 
We also get the Dr. Pepper machine. Yeah. I there I guess there was a considerable promotion with Dr. Pepper in this movie. Dr. Pepper is the uh, was the biggest um, sponsor of this movie at the time and yeah. helped bring it to American audiences. And honestly, maybe why... I, I, I can't help but wonder if this is why Dr. Pepper is my drink of choice. Yeah. And they did the... Uh, there was a 1985 Dr. Pepper Godzilla commercial. There were a few. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess they asked Raymond Burr to be in one of them. <laughs> and he didn't even answer the guy. He just stared at him <laughs> until the dude, like, backed out of the room. <laughs> I love Raymond Burr. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Basically, uh, the Russians end up blaming the Americans for the attack on their submarine. Right. And, of course, the Americans deny it. Uh, and with the threat of nuclear war, because the Russians, especially in the Japanese version, the Russians are like, we are ready to go to fucking nuclear war. We're ready to start shooting the nukes. Yeah. And um, the Japanese prime minister is like, decides that it's up to him. He needs to let everybody know, like, okay, no, we need to go public. It's Godzilla. Please don't start World War Three. <laughs> especially right over our heads. Right. Don't do that. <laughs> Um, and again, in the Japanese edit, this this entire segment is drawn out quite a bit more. Right, right. Uh, they hold a press conference and announce what they know. And again, this scene is also drawn out a lot more in, in uh, Japanese. Ooh. And this is also where we get the a scene where Maki goes to visit Naoko and it reveals a lot of the tensions between yeah. them. But whatever. Uh, then we're at the Pentagon again. And the, the general is basically demanding somebody who knows what's going on. Like he, mm-hmm. he asks, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he basically asks for, uh, for Mr. Martin. Right. Right. Without, you know, asking <laughs> get Mr. me Martin. Steve Martin. And they bring in the comedian. And he's, <laughs> he's like, what am I doing? Why here? am I here? <laughs> um, in the American edit, we then get a meeting between the Russians, Americans and the Japanese kind of all collectively discussing what's going on. Um, both of the American and Russian ambassadors want to use nuclear weapons. Yeah. But Japan is very firm on their stance not to employ nuclear options. Now, I wonder why. Right. And now this is, to me, like, this is either a very stark contrast in why I think the American edit is better, uh-huh. or a stark con- uh, like a stark example of the cultural difference. Right. One of the two. In the Japanese version, this scene appears quite a bit later in the, in the original version, like, later in the movie, okay. after Godzilla's first hit. Oh, really? Yeah. Um... And it, also it includes a line from the American rep saying that the Russian representative is right about using nuclear weapons. And not only is that the fact that that, see, that was cut hilarious, but is the line read is equally hilarious. We don't see He's right. So also in, in the Japanese version. So this scene is greatly extended. Okay. Um, and it, it actually includes a scene where the Prime Minister and his cabinet go off to discuss in a separate room the use of nuclear weapons. Because Russia is basically, like, saying to them, like, the blast will be small and contained. It'll be, you know, we're, we're going to do it just enough to kill Godzilla, but not enough to cause a lot of collateral yeah. damage. And in the scene, the, the cabinet seriously discussed this option. Um, in the American edit, all of this was cut, and the, the Prime Minister just flatly refuses, saying that Japan has a firm stance on nuclear weapons. And frankly, I think the edited version is vastly superior because it carries yeah. a lot more weight. Like, yeah. to me, even the dub, like, the dubbing of this, it's just, you can feel the emotion of the Prime Minister. He's just like, we will not use nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. But in the in the Japanese version, they're all, they're, they're having a serious discussion. It's probably more realistic, 
but it, it to me yeah. is not cinematically um, satisfying. Gentlemen, Japan has a firm nuclear policy. We will not make, possess, or allow nuclear weapons. We cannot make an exception, not even in a situation as grave as this. Um, and then <laughs> we get another cutscene. Oh, jeez. Yeah, where the prime minister um, has to talk. He's talking to one of his uh, one of his people um, and explaining that uh, he basically spoke to the other two nations individually mm -hmm. and gave them the example of uh, like if it was Washington or Moscow that was being attacked. Um, how would you feel if we use nuclear weapons in those cities? And again, I'm not I'm not really sure if I like this scene or not. Yeah. To me, it feels a little unnecessary, but at the same time, I love the... I don't know. So, like I said, it's either an example of why the American edit is superior, or I just don't get it. One okay. of the two. But either way, uh, we then cut to see a Russian boat in the Tokyo Bay where a nuclear weapon... A nuclear warhead is being prepped in secret. Um, again, in the Japanese version, it's actually revealed that both... Both the Russians and the Americans have this contingency planned. They both have nuclear satellites in space. But in the American edit, of course, it's only it's only Russia. Right, right. There's a lot of like, oh, those the Russians are a lot worse than we are in, in that yeah. set of the movie. I mean, because of Cold War. Like, right, right. I mean, but, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, although I will say that, like, when I noticed that scene, I was just like, oh, I bet, I bet it's equal. It, it's not really, like, yeah. They show the American satellite. It's never brought up again. Okay. There's never any, like, nothing else in that regard happens. It's still all the Soviets. Um, but there is another major difference, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, we got to Maki, uh, Hayashida, and uh, Kenny discussing Godzilla's behavior. Hayashida believes that it will return to Japan to feed on their nuclear reactors. Okay, so this is something, like, I have to question, because they know that Godzilla feeds on nuclear radiation. Right. So why do they think, why do the other countries think that nuking him is going to do anything? Like, I mean, I understand that when all you have is a, a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. And when you have a nuclear arsenal, that's a big hammer. Right. But. Well, I, I that's, it's an interesting point, And I actually think that that's in the, uh, in the 2014 American Godzilla movie, that exact point is brought yeah. up. Yeah. Like they, they mentioned like, we're going to use nuclear weapons. It's like, well, that's not going to do anything. Well, they're like. Well, we're hoping the blast will kill him. Yeah. Um, and that might be the same thing here, but... It's I don't know. It just kind of seems like trying to take one of us out by shooting us with a hamburger cannon. I don't know. A hamburger cannon would hurt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but then you'd eat the hamburger and you'd be okay. <laughs> but, uh... Because <laughs> everybody, everybody knows when you get shot with a hamburger cannon, you eat it and you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> you're even stronger. Yeah. But, no, I mean, you, you, you've got a point, but... It, it, I think it's just one of those you got to sweep it under the rug, or, yeah, yeah. or maybe the Japanese know more about Godzilla yeah. than. I, it it well, just makes me wonder, like, how much information about Godzilla has been shared in this world. Like, the, yeah. Well, I mean, Professor Hayashida is the one who's like he's going to feed on nuclear reactors, right, right. and he studied Godzilla his yeah, almost yeah. Enti his entire career. So maybe it isn't his public knowledge. Maybe not, but it seems like if you like if you're going to be wrestling Godzilla, he's the dude you'd want to talk to. I imagine he has published papers and shit. <laughs> That's a very good point. I mean, and he is part of the Godzilla like defense task force yeah, yeah. that they come up with, but you're right. I mean, <laughs> whatever. But then we get to one of my favorite scenes in the movie, for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. Godzilla makes his official yeah, appearance. He, he makes landfall. Yep. He shows up at a nuclear power plant. 
Um, we get this really cool scene, the dramatic reveal, the pan up that that would be later emulated in, in again, the biggest one is the 2014 yeah. Godzilla movie. Gareth Edwards made that look so cool. Right. And and it, it I think, it, I, I don't know if it necessarily stemmed from this movie, but this one is the one that I always think I, about. Where it, I can see the inspiration yeah. from this. Yeah, yeah. It, it starts at the foot, pans slowly up to... It gives you a sense of scale of how big this, this critter is. Right. Um, now, we, we officially get the Godzilla. Now, let, let's talk about this design a little bit. Okay. So, uh, I will say... This movie does sport some of, in my opinion, the best suit work in the franchise. Yeah. It also sports some of the worst suit, <laughs> suit des- uh, design in the franchise. Like, there are a lot of inconsist- inconsistencies of scale. Yeah. Like, they built a 40-foot-long foot in order to wow. film some of the scenes. And it's like, you, you see some of these scenes and the foot is like... It, it's so, so big. It's it's insanely huge. You get other scenes where, like, they're filming an animatronic Godzilla head, and it's too big. And then there's other times where he's a little too small. Like, there's a lot of inconsistencies in that. Um, there's a lot of times when they use animatronics, and, like, the neck looks really, really narrow. And yeah. kind of gives Godzilla this little, real goofy look. But the suit work itself is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I love it. He's got a kitty cat face. The, yes, he does. Um, the uh, the Godzilla design in the next five or six movies would be mm-hmm. come to known as Cat Goji because yeah. he has a very very like cute kitty cat face. Yeah, and it's my hands down my favorite Godzilla design. I absolutely adore it, love it to death, and this is really what launches it. Um, the suit, of course, is uh, being uh, operated by suit actor Kenpachira Satsume, who had previously played Hidora and Gigan. Okay. And would go on to play Godzilla in pretty much the entirety of the Heisei series. So you got a lot of time in that suit. Yes. Well, not this suit, but yeah. in future suits, um, obviously. And he does a great job during the, the next six films. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, with this movie, the suit was designed for a much larger actor. And that suit actor left late in production. Like, oh, he, he really? like, split from the production last minute. So they had to uh, get Satsuma in and... Because the suit was too big for him, it made filming insanely taxing on him. Okay. And he feared for his life in more than one occasion. Especially, wow. like, during the water scenes. Oh, I imagine so. Yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's like, if I slip and fall once, I'm going to drown. There's nothing I can do. Nobody would be able to get me out. The suit weighs, like, 250 pounds. Yeah, like, yeah. It's insane. And he, yeah, he, but he, he sells it. He does a really good job. And obviously he comes back to reprise the role. Mm-hmm. Um, although I imagine those suits were probably tailored to a man at his yeah. size. But, um, that's important. Like that's a, a safety thing. Right. <laughs> and it, it should, I don't know how widespread it is, but Godzilla's design changes pretty drastically over the course of the entire franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, especially during the Shawa era, he, he becomes a lot more kid friendly, a lot more goofy, almost like a Muppet. Like, yeah. he kind of gets this really bulbous eye look, especially mm-hmm. in the, like, the Son of Godzilla range. Uh, he starts going a little bit more realistic, for lack of a better term, towards, like, the Mechagodzilla series. Mm-hmm. But again, he's much, designed as a much more friendly character, because in those movies, a lot of those movies, he was portrayed as the hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in this one, of course, he becomes the villain again. So Yeah, and, like, not even really the villain, as more just... Well, the antagonist. The, yeah, the, the, the force. Yeah, he, he's a, a force of nature. He's a, something that happens. He's inflicted on mm-hmm. people. 
but they they changed the design in order to reflect yeah. this. Um, the, I mean, the most notable, I think, is the eyes. Yeah. You see, the eyes are kind of rolled halfway up into the head, so you're, they're half-lidded, and it, it, it makes it, it gives them this very animalistic and yet almost kind of, um, not even, not evil, is, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, menacing like appearance. sinister looking, yeah. Yeah, very sinister, that's probably the word. Um, of course, you got the dorsal plates, which again, like I mentioned, they have that kind of weird, like palm fan shape. Yeah. Um, that again, I they're, adore. They're jagged, very jagged. Yeah. Um, they're jagged but rounded. Yeah, yeah. Which is one of the designs, like in some of the future Godzilla movies, that especially like Godzilla two thousand, um, and in even the twenty fourteen Godzilla mm-hmm. movie, where they they're just spikes. I actually hate that. <laughs> I I really don't like it. Like the sharper they look, the uh-huh. less happy I am. That's weird. It's it's just a thing, and I yeah. think it probably just stems because this to me is Godzilla's design. Yeah, yeah. You know, this was the movie that I watched over and over, even before branching out into other Godzilla movies. But I I adore that uniqueness of those dorsal plane the dorsal plate shapes, those rounded kind of like I said, mm-hmm. almost like a fan palm fan. I don't know. I I don't know what to how to describe them. I mean, you you know what they look like. Everybody knows what they look like. But, um, they also increased Godzilla's height in this movie. Uh, yeah. Up until this point, he was 50 meters tall, but they realized that in uh, in 1985's or 1984's Tokyo, the buildings would dwarf 50 feet, uh, 50 meters. Yeah, monster. so they had to pump him up a bit. They pumped him up to 80 meters. Okay. Um, and then, of course, we got to talk about the roar. Yeah. Uh, like I said, uh, Ikefube had originally created it. And do you know how it's created? Do you know how the... Uh, it looks like it was created by rubbing a resin-covered glove over the loosened strings of a double bass. Uh, wow, that's perfectly accurate. You weren't reading my notes, were you? No. I, just... <laughs> I actually knew it was it was because of a glove rubbed across sure. a stringed instrument. I just thought it was a violin. Okay. But uh, but yeah, that's how they, they replicate that. And like I said... This is the, the roar that I'm most familiar with because it's your fucking text message. <laughs> my ringtone. And I've heard it a billion times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I love this one because, like, you get that same... You, like, the Godzilla roar is iconic. Like, mm-hmm. you hear it, you know who it is. Yeah. It is simply the most recognizable monster roar in cinema history, as far as I'm concerned. It, um, it's one of... It, it's a very onomatopoeic sound because you can see it written out as skronk, and you know exactly what that sounds like. Right. Exactly. Yep. Like, it's very much like Wolverine's snicked or, <laughs> or Nightcrawler's bamf, where it's like... This is a sound that probably does not exist in nature, but just seeing it written out like that, I can picture it in my mind. Yeah. And it's very hard to replicate that in sound effects. It's it's insanely hard. Um, but that being said, like, even from Godzilla film to Godzilla film, that roar is different. Yes, It yes. changes. And, like, you noted, it's my ringtone, because in this movie, this is my favorite way he sounds. Uh-huh. It's kind of got this graininess to it, this kind of... Um, this almost not not even a baritone, but it's just resonant. Resonant is a good word. Yeah, like there's a lot of other Godzilla roars that are very screechy. There's yeah. a few more that sound a little bit more tinny. Um, there's a few others others like uh, that that just sound like more realistic, like more animal roars. Yeah, yeah. This one, to me, is, again, Godzilla's role. It, it shouldn't sound realistic. It shouldn't sound like something like an actual animal can create. Right. It can be derived from that, 
and that's okay. But if I hear this and it sounds like a lion roaring at me, that's not going to fit. No. It needs to sound like something that has been created, whether by purpose or by accident. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I could go on and on and on about, about this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just adore this design. It is my favorite. To an extent. I, actually, I, I, I would argue that the Godzilla vs. Biollante suit is my favorite Godzilla suit yeah. of all time. But um, but it's very much derived from this one. So mm-hmm. it, It's a, a more distilled version of this suit. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, Godzilla is uh, wrecking shop, yep. tearing through the, uh, the, the power plant. Um, and we see the Hayashida crew, as I come to call them. Uh, they head over to watch. Um, and again, I think... This is another one of those scenes where I feel that the American version has better pacing. Yeah. Because in the Japanese version, it cuts away from the destruction quite a few times to see what Hayashida and them are doing, to see what the Prime Minister is doing, to see what somebody else is doing. Whereas in the American edit, it's pretty much all just one scene, which I really appreciate. Yeah, that flows a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Maki taking pictures while Kenny takes like these radioactive measurements with some sort of device that is beyond me. A radioactive uh, measurement device, obviously. <laughs> And uh, Godzilla just kind of helps himself to the nuclear reactor. Yeah, just chows down on that thing like he's at a buffet. (laughs) Feeds on it. Um, And then birds fly overhead and kind of lure Godzilla back out to sea. Mm -hmm. Um, We cut to a scene where the military uh, approaches Mr. Martin and summons him to Washington. Um, Pretty just establishing that that's where he's going. And then we find, uh, we cut to a scene where they're having a meeting about how to deal with Godzilla at the Prime Minister's office. Uh, or at least in a bunker in this, like, in the Japanese version, it actually says it's like this Godzilla defense task force that they've created. Uh, And this is where they reveal a secret weapon that was originally designed to help protect the capital, but might be able to be employed against Godzilla, the Super X, which is a, like a kind of a hovercraft of sorts using rotors. Like, it's actually a lot more sophisticated than I think 1985 deserved, but it it, it feels like it's something that could exist. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And uh, it is loaded with cadmium missiles. And they even go in further into explain that since cadmium is used as a sealant in nuclear reactors, they mm-hmm. kind of reason that it could work against Godzilla. They could maybe poison him and shut down the nuclear reactor that he is. And because my brain is broken, I keep conflating cadmium with Cadbury. Don't do that. Those are different things. They'll both kill my ass dead. <laughs> yeah, but only one of those will kill everybody else dead, too. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on how much Cadbury you use. <laughs> And again, this is another one of those scenes where the Japanese version, it takes place a mm-hmm. lot earlier in the movie. Uh, it, it actually, this scene where they're talking about the Super X actually takes p- place before Godzilla's first landfall. Oh, interesting. And it's also a lot longer and more huh. detailed. Okay. So, just one of those things. I think that they they probably rearranged it more for flow and, and for yeah. pacing, but whatever. It's kind of interesting because it is like they got a second stab at editing this thing for for, you know, consistency and pacing and stuff right. like that. And it does work in a lot of areas where it does feel like the pacing is a lot sharper and a oh, lot yeah. smoother. Very much so. Absolutely. So it's just, it, it's very strange. Like, yeah. I don't I, think you could, this would not happen no, today. No, it wouldn't. Um, and, I mean, for better or worse. Yeah, like, yeah. I, it's one thing to say that, like, because, uh, and, and I know it's a cultural thing, the Japanese, Japanese media, they tend to have that, they tend to over-explain. They mm-hmm. explain quite a bit differently, and, I th- and that's definitely a translation thing and a cultural thing. Um, and this movie is no exception, whereas the American edit, they trim a lot of that fat. Right. And uh, while I think it's definitely an improvement, 
it is also kind of disrespectful to the source material. Yeah. So it's one of those like, you know what, whatever. Um, it wouldn't happen today. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But whatever. this is very much a cultural artifact in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut to a scene where Hayashida and the crew are looking over uh, the data and the pictures. Um, and like I said, this is where like, this is the next scene that Maki and um, Naoto are in the same scene and the tensions are just gone. Like that whole thing is just <laughs> That's gone. That's so weird. So, um, but uh, Professor Hayashida kind of determines that Godzilla has a lot in common with birds and right. uh, they come to the conclusion that he was following them. And in the American version, they straight up say it's the chirping of the birds and it attracted mm-hmm. Godzilla. But in the Japanese version, they explain a little bit more that it's because both birds and Godzilla share very similar brain structures and hmm. can sense the same like magnetism of the earth right. in order to migrate. So Godzilla wasn't following the birds. He was following the way the birds were going. Their, their migration patterns. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Which I actually prefer. That's one of the few things yeah. that I definitely prefer on the original because it makes Godzilla seem a little less dumb. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Dumb is not even the yeah, right well, word. Well, it's very but... strange because it's like, why would these birds, dis- why would birds of all things distract mm-hmm. an 80 meter tall right? lizard? Like, growing up, whenever I watched this movie, I always thought, like, they're talking about how Godzilla's brain structure is like birds and then the birds flock uh-huh. over it and he follows him. And I always thought, like, oh, he... Clear, because his brain structure is like birds, he has the same instincts as birds, he thinks he's a bird. <laughs> he just Which, walks I along, mean, flapping his arms. <laughs> he's trying to take off. And just, yeah. No, um... Godzilla's a big penguin. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, th- it's it's kind of funny because this was before the idea that got, that dinosaurs evolved from birds was as widespread as yeah, it is it's now. De- yeah, it was around... And, it, like, it was scientifically, like, okay, this is what's it's pro- going it on or what happened. It was, it was proposed in, like, right. the 60s, but it wasn't widely accepted. It, yeah, and it definitely wasn't as much in, like, the, the mainstream zetgeist as it is now. It's right. like, now when you go, like, oh, yeah, obviously, like, that, you know, dinosaurs evolved into birds or, like, a, a subspecies. To, to, to a degree, right. Uh, to greatly simplify, like, right. that's what happened. But but back then it wasn't. No, so it, it's actually very interesting that yeah. that's the how they the route they decided to take i appreciate that Mm -hmm. it it ends up being a a kind of an accidental point in their favor um but um but anyway from from this um professor hayashida kind of formulates a plan uh he decides to send kenny to mount mihara to meet with a geologist friend of his um the geologist who has no lines and is like you can only see him in this kind of montage of him and kenny studying um is uh only credited as geologist minami and is actually played by Hiroshi Kazumi, who was kind of prolific in Toho films. Um, he starred as in the leading role of the second Godzilla movie, Godzilla Raids Again. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Mothra, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Would go on to play in uh, the future Godzilla Tokyo SOS. Um, just to name a few. So, like, this was kind of a, just a neat little cameo yeah. um, that I didn't notice until very, very recently. As, as in when I was doing the research in this. Yeah. Um, we get a, in the Japanese version, we get a scene where um, Professor Hayashida is testing bird call frequencies. And it's a very bad sound. I'm going to subject you guys to it. Oh, great. It's bad. I'm glad they cut it from the American.
Um, and then, and Maki also like walks up and answers the phone like he owns the place now. Like he's just officially part of their crew. <laughs> he's just some reporter tagging along and he's picking up the phone for Well, him. I mean, shoot, look at Mr. Martin over in the U.S. Like <laughs> reporters are the linchpin of this counterattack. <laughs> um, but uh, Hayashida meets with the Godzilla Defense Task Force and explains his plan, uh, which is to set off a controlled eruption at Mount Mihara uh, after luring Godzilla to the volcano using these frequencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is to just to get Godzilla in the in the caldera of the volcano. Yeah. Um, it's it's comes up quite a bit later on where a lot of the characters think, oh, it'll kill him, but like Hayashida is like, no, it's not going to kill him. It'll trap him. It'll keep him there, and hopefully we'll not see him in our lifetimes. But, but it's he, not going to kill. Yeah, him. Yeah, he's going. He's going to be future us's problem. Exactly. And we're pretty sure they're assholes. <laughs> Which is a big plot point in the, the in the sequel Godzilla yeah. vs. Biollante, but we're not. Gonna so talk it wasn't about that. that much of a future <laughs> in it was, the future. It, it was five years. Five years. They yeah. got five That's, years of peace. Eh, yeah. Thanks, terrorists. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's that's another one. Anyway, um, back at the Pentagon, uh, Mr. Martin does finally show up, and we get a great monologue from Raymond. Burr, yeah. Uh, while he's kind of describing what's going on, we get a little bit of stock footage from the original film, which is done very well, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and really adds a lot of gravitas to this. Yeah, um, it definitely pays respect to the original movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't just use it because, hey, look what, look what we got. We got Raymond Burr, and we got the original Godzilla footage. You like guys like that, don't you? The original Godzilla? And it's, no, it, it's, like, definitely has weight. It, it does. It does. Um, and it was my introduction to the original Godzilla right, film. Yeah. And I, it's just, it's a very good monologue. It's a very good scene. I actually really like it. Mm-hmm. Since you're the only person that seems to know anything about whatever it is we're dealing with, what can we do? I was the only American who survived that catastrophe. If you men had seen what I saw, you'd realize that firepower of any kind or magnitude is not the answer. Well, if the Japanese were able to stop them 30 years ago, why can't we now? General, Godzilla is like a hurricane or a tidal wave. We must approach him as we would a force of nature. We must understand him, deal with him, perhaps even try to communicate with him. And just for the record, 30 years ago, they never found any corpse. Back in Japan, the Hayashida crew discussed the Super X plan, and again, Hayashida's, like, confident that it's not going to work. It's yeah. Like, it's, it's not going to kill him. It can't. They're not going to beat him. Um, Godzilla is then spotted nearing Tokyo Bay. Um, an alert is officially sent out, and we get a really cool montage of Tokyo being evacuated. Yeah. Uh, the charges are being set up on Mount Mahara, and the military is mobilizing. And again, the original, the pacing is so weird because, I mean, it also had a montage, but it was... St- constantly interrupted with various things like um this montage was interrupted with the scene of uh hayashida denouncing the super x plan um and various other things and i i think that like i said the edit just makes this flow so much better Mm -hmm. and brings a lot more weight to it um and then we get a scene where hayashida uh the hayashida crew discuss the themes of godzilla and again i i appreciate the american version of this monologue compared to the japanese version um, it triggers a real volcanic eruption. Godzilla will be burned alive. What a horrible death. It won't kill him. It couldn't. 
What do you mean? It's gotta kill him, Professor. The other night at the reactor. Didn't you sense it? The beast has a purpose. 30 years ago, Godzilla appeared for the first time. Before that, he was only a legend. Godzilla is a warning. A warning to every one of us. When mankind falls into conflict with nature, monsters are born. I'm just trying to... send him home. Also, the Japanese version, uh, this takes place before Godzilla is sighted near Tokyo Bay. Okay. So it's, it's another one of those just pacing things. And then Godzilla emerges from the waters in Tokyo Bay and the military let loose yep. in another one of my favorite scenes. You gotta have one of those scenes where mm -hmm. the military fights Godzilla and... Fails. And fails. Yep. Um, in the American edit, though, uh, they add in a bunch of dubbed lines from the yeah. pilots. And it's highly unnecessary, but again, it's so burned into my sense memory <laughs> that I struggle to watch the original. Because in the original, it's silent. Like, there's no dialogue. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing. There's music, there's sound effects, that's it. And I... It feels wrong when I watch it. <laughs> it's too quiet. Uh, during this attack, the Russian ship in the bay is slammed into the dock, and we see the uh, the captain desperately trying to launch the nuke. And this is one spot where it is very different. It is very, very different. So, yeah, in the American edit, mm -hmm. it's like they actually even edit a scene of him pushing the button to launch the nuke. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in the Japanese version, it's set up as a failsafe. Yeah, he is trying to stop the launch. Right. Because uh, they haven't, like, they even mention it that basically when the ship gets knocked knocked around, mm -hmm. it automatically sets the countdown, and he's going in to try to stop the launch right. of the nuke. But he dies, or yeah, at least he gets, is incapacitated. Yeah, he gets a little exploded. Yeah, before he can make it. So the Japanese version makes that seem pretty neutral, whereas the American edit very clearly villainizes. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> The, sh the sub is going down, and the Russian captain is just like, no, we have to fuck Japan right now. <laughs> I will not die before I fuck Japan. <laughs> Which, I mean, there's a lot of commentary. There's, there's a lot. lot of, there's a lot of cultural... Like, yeah. it, it's, it's the product of the time on that one. It's a cult. It's very much a Cold War movie uh -huh. like, in so, so many aspects. Yeah, so I think the less we talk about that, the better. But that is Once one again, the... I'm not smart enough to discuss yeah. this. I, I can so. recognize it, and I can <laughs> say, like, this is what happened. I am not smart enough to discuss the political ramifications of this. Right. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, we see Godzilla drawing near the, uh, the docks, and the military unleash a barrage on mm -hmm. him, and... It, it is simultaneously incredibly impressive and ineffective. As it should be in a Godzilla movie. <laughs> right, right. I mean, well, that's the, that's kind of the whole point. Like, right. Um, a lot of people cite, a lot of critics um, of Godzilla movies cite that, like, when the military is shooting him, it looks like it's just firework, fireworks going yeah. off near him. And that's kind of the point. Like, I know yeah. it's, it's part of the budget and it's part of the special effects, but it's also kind of the point. Yeah, you can't... They're meant to look insignificant and and pathetic in yeah, the way especially of this in monster. in ones like the original and in this where Godzilla is like like we said a force of nature like mm -hmm. something that's inflicted upon people you can't fight that with the military mm -hmm. you can't punch a hurricane to death exactly exactly um and and that's exactly it here it's 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 meant to look like it's just doing nothing yeah yeah because it's doing nothing and then Godzilla uses his atomic breath to wipe them all from existence yeah and this scene is so powerful. Winking mm -hmm. love it. And like to to bring another comparison to Shin Godzilla, like when sh when 
Shin Godzilla uses his atomic rays, which is just like a fucking light show in that it movie. It is. It's very. It's a very similar type of, of scene where it's just like it erases things. Yeah, it just erases. You them. feel like it, it's it's basically it takes this unstoppable monster that's already imposing and destructive yeah. and just elevates them to the next level yeah. and then beyond. Yeah, and I how how uh, can you look at this happening and not feel a sense of hopelessness? Right, or and just awe and yeah. wonder and just. Again, like, this is when five-year-old me wet his pants, like, oh my god! <laughs> so, um, Godzilla rampages through Tokyo, and again, in the American edit, there are some dubbed lines placed in, and again, I find the Japanese version to just be too quiet during these scenes. Yeah. Um, again, like, where the the helicopter's flying, and in the ja- in the American edit, it's like, oh, this is the update on Godzilla, and then Godzilla blasts it. In the Japanese version, there's no dialogue. There's barely even music. Yeah. So... Um, Godzilla picks up a speeding train, looks into the window. The effect is terrible. <laughs> um, I, I've seen the Japanese edit of this scene. Like, yeah, in the Japanese version, there's this dude on the train who just <laughs> smiles at Godzilla, and it is kind of incredible. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> um, we get back to the Pentagon, where uh, the Americans are reacting to what's going on, and they're just in awe. That's when... We get the major who gives his really shitty line. Um, yeah. But the, yeah. the general says that they'll support the Japanese in any way they can. And the implication is supposed to be that from a military perspective, it's it's the Pentagon. Uh-huh. That's what they're going to do. They're like, hey, we'll send as much support as we can. But I can never help but read it more as a general, like, we will offer them whatever support they need. And yeah. Steve Martin just jumps in and is like, no! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like the I general's know. offering them aid. And yeah, like, and, like, his, and Mr. Martin just, no. We're sending in the Red Cross. Oh, God. <laughs> Steve Martin <laughs> just denies this. It cracks me up every time. Um, it's always a funny shock to me, even though I, I know it's coming. I mean, of course he means that, like, like he said, he gives this little speech of, like, you know, aircraft bombs aircraft rockets they've all been used before yeah there has to be a better way but it it's still so damn funny colonel tell the japanese will give them all the support they need no we get a scene where godzilla passes directly over the prime minister's bunker which is another intense scene Uh and i that i really really enjoy um and the military begins strategizing to lure Godzilla using maser cannons, which are basically laser guns on on yeah. vehicles. Mobile laser guns. Yep. Masers. Pretty much. Um, and then we get an, one of, another one of my favorite scenes where we see a homeless man helping himself to a restaurant during Godzilla's rampage. It's, it's like, usually I don't care for comic relief characters, and this guy does get a little grating in places, but well, he's only in two scenes. Well, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just his existence is kind of great. It's incredible, <laughs> and and his dialogue is obviously very different in both versions. Yeah, but it's equally amazing in both versions. I yeah, I read the transcripts of what the Japanese version says, and it, yeah, yeah, they're both very. It's good. It's great. One for me, and one for me. <laughs> Later, take this away. The servitor stinks. Waiter! Waiter, where the hell are you, huh? Uh. Don't act like a big shot hick. You just got to town. If you want to hang around with me, you better learn some manners, huh? 
Um, and then Godzilla passes by Hayashida's lab where they test the magnetization frequency to see if Godzilla responds. It works. Yep. Godzilla makes a move on the building, but is distracted in just in time as he's hit with a maser cannon, saving the Hayashida clan. In the Japanese version, the timing of this doesn't really happen, and the editing is kind of weird. Um, in the Japanese version, like they, they distract Godzilla, and he turns to the building, and then it immediately cuts to Hayashida saying that, hey, it worked. The chopper's on the way to pick us up. And then they calmly remove the equipment and begin packing up. And then the mazers start hitting uh -huh. Godzilla, who's about ready to demolish the building. And, like, I guess... It, it, I started thinking about it afterwards, because, like, when you watch the American edit, and they're like, let's test this out, and it's like, and Godzilla turns to attack the building, it's like, well, what the hell do you think was going to happen? <laughs> like, it, it either doesn't work or you die. Yeah. And and I guess in the Japanese version, it's more of like a, oh, he, he's noticing us. Cool. We can put this away now. But I, the editing is still... its It, it just feels off to me. Yeah. <laughs> it is really funny, though. Um, but either way, Godzilla turns and his tail hits the building, which causes a lot of problems for our protagonists. Mm -hmm. uh, the elevator stops working, and they find themselves locked out from the roof. Meanwhile, Godzilla is lured to the park by these mazers, and the Super X moves in to engage. Uh, they end up firing flares into the air to make Godzilla roar, and then they fire their cadmium shells into his open mouth. Yeah, they fire into his weak point. Yep. And after hitting him with three rockets, we start to hear his heartbeat begin to slow, and he starts drooling really bad, yeah. and it starts having issues, and he ends up collapsing into the building and seemingly dies. Um, but then immediately we see in space the, the Russian missile is launched because the timer counts down all the way and is set to detonate over Tokyo in 30 minutes. And again, the Japanese version, I feel that the pacing is really weird, because this during this entire sequence, while Godzilla, like, right after they hit Godzilla with all these cadmium shells, and he starts to wobble, it then that's where it cuts to the missile. And then it cuts back, and he's wobbling, and they're talking, and then it cuts to Hayashida, them trying to get through the door, and then it, then it cuts to the Prime Minister's office, and they're like, a missile was launched. And then it cuts back to Godzilla, and he's fallen over and then he crashes into the building it's it's that's weird, weird yeah so it's very um, choppy it is um the prime minister of course like i said is alerted to the missile launch and in the american version he immediately decides to ask the americans to try to intercept it with their own in the japanese version it takes a little bit more yeah. for them like they just kind of mention like oh the americans agreed to help us oh okay but okay. um i was worried that it was like they, that Amer the American edit tried to make them the heroes. That's what I was halfway expecting. But no, they in the Japanese version they did ask America okay, to, okay. to intercept. It's just not their. It's not their immediate reaction. Like at first they're like, "Oh crap! Oh crap! Uh, we need to evacuate everybody again." Which I again I think is a nice edit from the American version because mm -hmm. in the Japanese version, like Godzilla crashes into the building and then it shows this broad shot of Godzilla there and there's this huge crowd of people just <laughs> looking at him and it's like i thought you guys were supposed to be evacuating like well they came back they wanted to see the lizard <laughs> like i understand that evacuating in a city especially of this size takes time yeah and there's gonna be people left over but it's really really goofy <laughs> but uh the prime minister's like okay we need to evacuate everybody into the sewer tunnels to get them away from the nuclear blast okay especially since in the uh in the american edit they say that it's going to detonate over tokyo Right. In the original Japanese, it's going to hit Godzilla directly. Yeah, yeah. So, and yet, and there's a lot of scenes of them evacuating it, and yet in further scenes, they're still up there just staring at Godzilla and gawking at him. And then that way, when he does inevitably revive, like, 
there's a lot of scenes of his foot crushing down on things around them. Like, it's like, oh my god, why are you still there? <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, we, we get a quick scene, like, yeah, they're, America's gonna try to intercept the missile, and they're gonna do their best. Um, and uh, Hayashida and Naoko basically discuss that Godzilla isn't dead. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, no, he's not. We, we need to get this. He's sleeping. We need to get my plan to go. And then we get some stock footage of a missile being launched from a ship, which again, I thought was going to be an American edition, yeah. but it's actually in the original as okay. well. Interesting. But, and, uh, and, and again, in the, in the scene of the Pentagon, Mr. Martin is like, he basically offers his best wishes. Like, I hope this works. Godzilla's not dead though. Yeah. By the way, BT dubs. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it would be great if this works, but it's not going to. Well, he's like, you know, I hope that you can stop the missile. Yeah. Yeah. Godzilla is not dead. <laughs> By the way, I want to bring you back here. Godzilla's yeah. still alive. Um, but uh, we get a scene where the helicopter does sh- show up and saves Kenny. Um, or, excuse me, a, a, a helicopter shows up with Kenny. Um, they arrive to get the, the Hayashida crew. They blow out the window because they can't get to the roof. And they extract Hayashida and the mm-hmm. equipment. And But then uh, in the American edit, it's due to low fuel. In the Japanese version, it's because the air, air currents are getting too strong. Uh, they basically can't. <laughs> yeah, but they can't get Mako or Na- uh, Maki or Naoko. Um, in the Jap- in the American version, the chopper instructs them to make their way to the streets so that they can send another chopper to pick them up, like over a loudspeaker. In the Japanese version, they just kind of leave them there. Ooh. They just split. Like I guess maybe the idea is that that they weren't necessarily supposed to be rescued. It was right. just the, the the professor and the equipment. That's the important stuff. <laughs> but it is it's kind of funny. They're like air currents are too strong. We gotta go. Ciao. <laughs> like, but um, uh, in the Japanese version, after that, Maki and Naoko uh, kind of return to the lab and they have a trademarked moment regarding her being scared. Uh-huh. And again, I'm starting to see why the tension and stuff was cut from the English version. It it doesn't matter. Yeah. It didn't come out at all. And then we get a cool tense scene where uh, whether the missile, the interceptor missile is going to succeed. We get a lot of mugging from mostly the American yeah, actors. <laughs> Uh, it's not, the scene is not nearly as suspenseful in the Japanese version, again, because cutting back and forth, but at least you don't get the mugging of all of the, the uh-huh. American generals and stuff. Um, the nuclear blast in the stratosphere, because the missile works, they, they intercept it, yeah, and yeah. the nuclear blast in the stratosphere causes an electromagnetic storm that kind of dyes the sky red and messes with all the electronics. You know, it's, a, it's an EMP, essentially, that just mm-hmm. went off. Um... And then this is a great scene. This is my oh, I, I adore this scene so much. It almost feels like this is Raymond Burr trying to get back at the goofiness. Because yeah, the, the, there's a major, this annoying guy who who had the bad line earlier. He explained. He, he kind of walks up to, to Mr. Martin and kind of very smugly and kind of like condescendingly is like telling him like, oh, this is what happens. It's a harmless effect. It's, yeah, there's <laughs> going to be a brief electromagnetic pulse, but then yeah. everything's going to be. Yeah, okay. it's it's harmless, completely great. And Steve, Steve replies with this dark counter, and it is delicious to eat up, yeah. and it just puts the major I, right in his place. I guess that line was put in by Raymond Burr. Like, he requested to have that line put in. Oh, see, I called Because, it. like, he... Not because of the, the stuff that happened earlier, but just because he had read up on these events. Like, <laughs> sure. Because the, the events he describes are actual events. I kind of figured that. And based he on the just read up on it. So he's like, okay, now here's what would like actually happen. And it would suck for a lot of people. Yeah. He's like, it, 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 he's like, it happened in the 1960s from a test and it knocked out electronics over a 7,000 mile right, diameter. Yeah. From and that was back then where there wasn't as much. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> so <laughs> I just love it. It's a great, it's a great line. 
Uh, Mr. Martin, in, in case you're wondering what's happening, sir, this is the natural aftermath of a stratospheric nuclear blast. Absolutely harmless. Major, in 1962, for 40 whole minutes, a high atmosphere test shut down transmissions across a 7,000-mile perimeter, all the way from Australia to California. And I just love the major getting put in this place because he's the most annoying character. Because again, sure. I think you're right. He was the, he's a byproduct of the comedic tone that they were originally trying yeah. to go for. Um, but the electromagnetic storm forces the Super X to land because you know electronics. Yeah. And as the red sky fades, um, the lightning like begins to strike, and one of the bolts hits Godzilla and reawakens him. And again, the Japanese version. <laughs> still just so many people milling around and just staring at Godzilla. People love a spectacle. I mean, <laughs> you saw Nope. And as their systems return, the Super X begins to retreat because they're like, shit, Godzilla's still alive. <laughs> and Godzilla just blows a hole through a building in order to fight him, mm -hmm. to fight it. Uh, in the Japanese version, like, they mention that they're already out of cadmium shells. I don't know why they only brought three to this fight, but <laughs> in, the, in the American version, it's just never brought up. They're just fighting it with lasers and missiles and shit. And it's a cool fight scene. I love this fight scene of them just basically throwing everything at Godzilla, yeah. trying to stop him while trying to retreat. And Godzilla is just not having any of it. <laughs> he's just marching forward, like, "Oh, you, you done fucked up, son." Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's like one of the few times we see him actually be aggressive towards something in this movie. Like he's he's reacting to something. In the other ones, he's just kind of going. Like yeah. he's the all the damage, all the chaos, and the destruction, and everything is happening because he's existing in this area. Right. This one, he's like, no, I hate this thing. <laughs> yeah, this thing knocked me out. It made me go to sleep for a little bit, and I yeah. didn't appreciate that. I did that. not want to take a nap. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm going to beat up my nanny. I'm going to destroy this thing. And it is an intense scene. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. it really gives Godzilla this air of menace. Um, during this fight, uh, Maki and Naoko try to get to the ground floor, um, but they find a big hole where the stairwell should be. Um, Hayashida and Kenny make it to Mount Mihara and begin setting up the frequency that they developed. Mm -hmm. And uh, while Godzilla continues to fight, Maki brings a big fire hose to use as a rope to get down the hole. And the homeless man from before is there. And he helps them climb down by holding the rope. Yep. And I love this man. Um, <laughs> Godzilla finally hits the Super X during the fight with a, a blast while the guns are kind of out. So uh, it, it, it kind of just wrecks this thing. It... it gets past the armor as it were and it pretty much kills most if not all of the crew and they have to land the super x and then godzilla just straight up pushes a yeah. whole fucking building down on top of it yeah and again it is just such a menacing like when godzilla wants you dead you're gonna die <laughs> well it's just like having something that big that immense with that much power just raw power behind it in so many different forms Having that centered on a singular target is terrifying. It like, is. It yeah. is. And it's, it's a, it, oh, I just, I love it. I love it. And then, of course, afterwards, the building crashes down and you just see Godzilla standing there. Yeah, and fucking just, God notices the ant. Yeah. And... <laughs> oh, it's, and in both versions, it is a, like the music, the yeah. right, the right music is playing, the super just menacing, intense music. This Godzilla's stare, he just kind of roars a couple times, like, that is what happens when you get in my way. It's like, oh, I love it. 
the uh, the three of them, Machinato and uh, the homeless guy, all begin running away from Godzilla. I, after... I think homeless guy is actually credited as Tramp in the credits. I didn't know that. <laughs> so he may, in fact, be Charlie Chaplin. I'm not certain. <laughs> um, but uh, after witnessing the victory, they all try to get away. Um, it's really funny, too, because... And I don't know why they did this edit. Uh-huh. But... In the Japanese version, you clearly see the homeless dude pick up a brick. Nice. And he's ready to go to blows with Godzilla, and it's incredible. In the American edit, like, they cut into that scene after he's picked up the brick, uh-huh. so you can still see it in his hand, <laughs> and he drops it. But, like, it's so unnoticeable, because you don't see him picking it up. Right. That I never picked up onto it, on it yeah, until today. Yeah, I didn't tweak to it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's great. I love it. He just picks this up. He's like, oh, yeah, you want to go? <laughs> and Godzilla roars. And then he immediately drops it. And they all run. They're like, oh, it's great. He uh, he ends up swapping his cart for a briefcase before telling Godzilla to back off. I fucking love this he's man. He's so antagonistic <laughs> towards Godzilla. Like, in yeah. his first appearance when he's just all, oh, yeah, you think you're a big guy in this town? You gotta gotta be here a while before you're on my level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, this guy is probably, his dubbed lines are probably another remnant of the, the comedic overtones. But where it's just this one dude, it's not Yeah, I not think jarring. It, it fits a lot better. Yeah. It, if, like, this was the entire tone of the movie, oh, I, I would have hated it. Oh, it would be unbearable. It'd be, well, it'd have been a completely different movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I couldn't have watched it, uh-huh. I don't think. But we see Maki and Naoto trying to flee, um, but they're unable to get away. And just before they're crushed, uh, however, Godzilla senses that magnetic frequency and departs, uh, turning around and heading to Mount Mihara on Oshima Island. Um, we then get to see the Americans watching Godzilla's kind of like migration while the annoying major drinks a cool, refreshing Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Gotta get that product placement. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and at this point, I, I didn't really twig to it too much in the rest of the movie, but it really kind of noticed it towards the end i don't know why but one thing i noticed about the american edit is that the color is also a lot more sharp and vibrant that's weird i wonder if that's just effect of the transfer of the copy you're watching it it makes it more pleasant yeah to watch to, like visually more interesting to look at uh because i was noticing the scenes of them at, at mount mahara uh-huh. and like of the sun starting to rise and like you see these these scenes of uh, professor hayashida and everybody looking around, and in the Japanese version, it's like kind of a dull gray color. Yeah. Whereas in the American version, it's blue. And you, like, I don't know, I just like it a lot. Like, the, the archive.org rip that I was watching, it's kind of murky in this scene. Sure. But like I said, the pixels were huge. Right. So a lot of that could just be because it's not a very good, it's a very old rip. Right. So who knows? But anyway. Um, and... Uh, Godzilla ends up approaching the caldera of the volcano, stops just opposite of the satellite that's being used to broadcast this frequency. Uh, the ground ends up giving way, and he falls partially inside, and Hayashida gives the order. Kenny detonates the charges, setting off the eruption and sending Godzilla into the volcano. And again, the, the sounds Godzilla makes as he oh, falls... Oh, this sound is heartbreaking. <laughs> they have, they've stuck with me my entire life. Yeah, it's a very distinct sound, like... More than, like, any of Godzilla's other roars, it's a very singular sound. Like, it's, a, it's a Godzilla in distress. <laughs> yeah. Godzilla is not meant to be falling this much. <laughs> like, 
I mean, especially as a kid when I didn't quite understand that this isn't killing him. Like, it yeah. sounds like this is Godzilla in his death throes. I am sad now. Yeah, if you didn't know that this was... That, you know, he's going to come back for, you know, what, three more movies in this era? Four, four or five, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know that, if this is just, like, all you're watching, it's like, oh, shit, Godzilla just dropped a volcano. That dude's dead. Right. And he's making this... The worst sound. The right. worst sound. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, we finally get... Uh, uh, Steve Martin kind of sends us off with a final monologue while the characters watch with reverence. Yeah, and he very much, he, like, directly says that Godzilla is an innocent monster. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, that's kind of, like, the whole theme of this is, like... like like I've been saying, he's the hurricane. Nature has a way sometimes of reminding man of just how small he is. She occasionally throws up the terrible offsprings of our pride and carelessness to remind us of how puny we really are in the face of a tornado, an earthquake, or a Godzilla. The reckless ambitions of man are often dwarfed by their dangerous consequences. For now, Godzilla, that strangely innocent and tragic monster, has gone to Earth. Whether he returns or not, or is never again seen by human eyes, the things he has taught us remain. course you guessed it in the japanese version there's of course no monologue right. in fact there's no dialogue at all so it and just ends with after. yeah it huh. just ends after that and and again i think that the monologue adds so much more to this yeah for sure especially for sure. with the music playing and oh just I, anyway and, and and that's that is godzilla 1985 <laughs> fucking love this movie we're an hour and 40 minutes into this recording this is gonna be a long episode it's man. gonna be a long episode i don't care this it's I mean, if any movie I am passionate about is yeah. it's this one, you know. So for sure, for sure. Um, but with that, we're going to go ahead and cut over to the crunch. I'll try to make that as quick as possible. But I've got some fun things. Cool. Um, and we're going to cut to some music. So, welcome back. Uh, we are now going to crunch us up a Godzilla. Now, um, Godzilla was obviously a very daunting thing to, <laughs> to yeah. crunch. Um, and I, I think that, uh, like, I've seen a lot of fan-made things for Godzilla D&D stuff mm-hmm. that I honestly think do it a hell of a lot better than I did. Okay. Um, my One of my favorites, I believe it was, um, it's a... a a barbarian subclass called Path of the Kaiju by uh, a, a content creator named uh, Zach Hitzeroff, who I think hits it out of the park in that, like, you get basically get these the different kaiju from mostly the the um, legendary Godzilla movies, right? Uh, basically, as like patrons, uh-huh. um, almost in the same style as warlocks, right? Who draw their power and, and they start emulating their powers and stuff. And I, I think it's phenomenal. Highly recommend checking it out. Okay. If that's the one I think it is. Um, but I, of course, in the spirit of Creature Crunch, wanted to do just a Godzilla creature stat. Yeah. Um, obviously, I wanted a god. And uh, Vanilla d d has four god stat blocks, or at least four stat blocks at challenge rating 30. Yeah. The Tarrasque, 
Tiamat, and then the aspect of Tiamat and the aspect of Bahamut that were put out in uh, Fizban's uh, Treasury of Dragons. Yeah, okay. Those are the only four vanilla thirty challenge rating 30 creatures that I could find. And, of course, I wanted Godzilla to be a challenge rating 30 creature. So, yeah. um, so I based it pretty heavily off of the aspect of Bahamut and tweaked a bit, but you'll, you'll see what I mean. So um, the name of this thing, again, to avoid just the, the uh, kind of the gimmicky of, gimmickry of just calling him Godzilla, uh-huh. um, I named it slightly inspired by the suit actor. Oh, okay. Uh, and I named this thing the Daisuma the Invincible. Okay. It is a gargantuan monstrosity unaligned. He's got an armor class of 23, hit points of 595. It's 13d20 plus 280. Okay. So average of 595, which is a lot. Uh, he's got a speed of 60 feet and a swim speed of 60 feet. I don't know how accurate that is. I mean, when you come to when you get to sizes this big, it's yeah. hard to contextualize, especially in D anD. d for sure, for sure. Whatever. I gave him a speed of 60 feet, swim speed of 60 feet. Um, 30 in strength, 30 okay. in constitution. Okay. Uh, I gave him only, he's only got 14 in dexterity. Um, I gave him a little bit higher wisdom at 15 because he's pretty perceptive in my opinion. Okay. Um, but only a 10 in intelligence. Clearly he's very animalistic, but he does think enough well enough to use tools. I.e. Yeah. throwing a building on top of the Super X. Right. Uh, he's only got an 11 in charisma. But which he's is got actually... such a sweet kitty cat face. <laughs> I, I based that off of the Trask. The oh, Trask okay. only has an 11 charisma as well. Whatever. Um, he's got saving throw specialties. Uh, he's got saving throw proficiencies in strength, constitution, and wisdom. Okay. Damage immunities to acid, cold, fire, radiant, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Okay. Now, the reason for radiant is because, to me, that is probably the closest analog to radiation. We've used that in the past, too. So, yeah. Um, he's got commun- condition immunities to charmed, deafened, frightened, paralyzed, and stunned. Passive perception of 12, challenge rating of 30, like I mentioned, gives him a proficiency bonus of 9. Now his traits. I gave him something I call damage resistant. Daisuma ignores all attacks that deal 20 or less damage. So he has a damage threshold, like a vehicle. Exactly. Okay. So like a lot of the vehicles and constructs and stuff, yeah. If you do less than 20, you cannot, you cannot death by a thousand cuts. Period. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he also has an incredible healing. At the start of each of Daisuma's turns, it regains 20 hit points. That's significant. Yes. Now, that is something... So, this we, we've discussed it before where, uh, especially in like our earlier episodes, we were only going to take what we see in the movie and yeah. go with that. Uh, we started breaking we, that rule We've kind of branched out from that. And I definitely decided to do that with this one because okay. I don't foresee myself um, crunching Godzilla again. Yeah. Um, like I, For other Godzilla movies, I'm probably just going to crunch the monsters he's fighting. So I decided to take some of these abilities from other sources because like in this one, we do not see a healing factor, Right. but Godzilla does have a healing factor. He heals remarkably fast. So that's where this comes from. Uh, He's also got the ability radiant absorption. Any radiant damage that would be done to Daisuma is instead converted into hit points for him. Additionally, if it heals at least 20 hit points in this way, it's breath weapon immediately recharges. And that's why you don't hit him with a nuke. (laughs) Uh, he's also amphibious. He can breathe both in and out of water. It's got legendary resistances of three, three a day, and that's pretty standard. He's a siege monster, does yeah. double damage to objects and structures. Now, this is where things got a little bit more creative. Okay. I gave him what I called the targeted weaknesses. 
When making an attack against Daisuma, the attacker can declare a targeted attack against one of Daisuma's eyes or its mouth, adding a plus three to his AC if the target is the eye or a plus five if it's the mouth. Daisuma's damage-resistant trait does not function for the damage of this kind of attack. So if you hit him in the eye or the mouth, he does not have that damage resistance. Additionally, if the damage to an eye is 20 or greater in a single round, Daisuma has disadvantage on its attacks until the end of its next turn. Okay. So he's You poke him in the eye. Yeah, you poke him in the eye. If the damage on the mouth is 20 or greater, Daisuma cannot recharge its breath weapon until the end of its next turn. Okay. So you already might see a a couple things that are... um, You might see a a, a thematic thing here with this breath weapon. Now, I'm assuming with the the targeted weakness thing, you have to be able to reach what you're targeting. Like, if you're a melee dude and you're at foot height, you're not going to be able to do this. Probably not. Right. That's going to be left up for the DM because, again, Gargantuan is such a... Yeah. fluctuating size so it's up to the dm to determine how big this thing actually is but no absolutely if you're gonna like anything else you have to just kind of right fly it by the seat of the pants there's no way for me to rules that into this but yeah now for this next trait i need to explain a thing okay um in the theros right book, they introduced mythic actions yeah yeah and they were reused in the treasury of dragons for the aspects of tiamat and bahamut okay now, the way mythic actions work is they are essentially another pool of different legendary actions that the monster gains after a certain point. In this case, and in the cases of... It's its one-winged angel form. <laughs> pretty much. Once the creature falls to zero hit points or the effect is triggered... Uh-huh. Um, well, let me read this. I called this the unstoppable force, which recharges after a short or long rest. If Dasuma would fall to zero hit points, its current hit point total instead resets to 500 hit points. So not quite max, but pretty darn close. Yep. It immediately recharges its breath weapon and regains any expended uses of the legendary resistance. Oh, that sucks. (laughs) Additionally, Dasuma can now use the options in the mythic action sections for one hour. Um, Award the party an additional 155,000 experience, which is a total of 310,000, for defeating Daisuma after its Unstoppable Force trait activates. This is pretty much, word for word, directly copied from both Tiamat and uh, Bahamut, the aspects. Okay. Um, Then I gave him the Undying and Eternal. If Daisuma is reduced to zero hit points after activating its Unstoppable Force trait within an hour... It returns to life with all its hit points after 3d10 years. Okay. You can never permanently kill this thing. Yeah. Because again, that That makes, yeah. Well, yeah, because Godzilla is not meant to be killed. And in the entirety of the franchise, he has been killed a total of three times that I'm thinking. I mean, that's more times than I've been killed. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, this is over the course of three different or several different reboots, too. Yeah, well, um, and one of those times he straight up revived in that movie. Yeah. So, um, so it, it kind of, yeah, killing Godzilla kind of spits in the face of what Godzilla represents. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's, and you it's can't one of those, kill the hurricane. Thing. You can't. Um, and it's also one of those things where, like, if you make a stat block for it, it becomes killable. Right. This prevents that. Good. And it also, to me, reflects a little bit of the idea that, like. In the context of the nineteen Godzilla nineteen eighty five, it's thirty years after the original. Godzilla right. was gone for that time, so three D ten years could be thirty years, could, could be yeah. five years, could be three, as, could be three years, <laughs> as we see in yeah. many of these things. So I think it it, it fits, but no, that I, that I like that. that yeah. So cool. the end result, Godzilla is unkillable, or in this case, Daisuma is unkillable. 
Now for his actions. Okay. Of course, he's got multi-attack. Of course. Uh, he makes one bite attack, one claw, or stomp attack, and one tail attack. Okay. Uh, his bite attack, the melee weapon attack, he's got a reach of 20 feet with a plus 19 to hit. Uh, one target, uh, dealing 4d12 plus 10 piercing damage. Average of 36. Okay. Uh, his claw attack, uh, and again, most of these are directly lifted from the aspect of Bahamut. Yeah. Uh, the claw attack is, again, plus 19 to hit, reach of 15 feet, uh, one target, and on a hit deals 21, which is 2d10 plus 10 slashing damage. And if the target is a huge or smaller creature, it is grappled with an escape DC of 20 and is restrained. Uh, Daisuma can only have one creature grappled in this way. I almost didn't include this until I was like, no, he picks up a train, whatever. Um, he's got his stomp attack, which well, is... We all know that Godzilla picks up a bus and he throws it back down. Throws it back down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as he wades through the center yeah, of town. Down. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh Godzilla. Uh, so he also got a stomp attack. Uh, this one's a lot more simple. It's a melee weapon attack. Plus 19 to hit, a reach of 10 feet, one target, and it deals uh, an average of 29, uh, which is 3d12 plus 10 bludgeoning damage. And that's that. Okay. Now, his tail attack, I changed a little bit. Uh, he swings his massive tail behind him in a 30-foot arc, uh, which I don't think is necessarily a measurement in d Yeah, I don't think there's arcs. There used to be. But, I mean, I couldn't really... It's not a cone. No. It's a, I almost called it a flat cone until I realized a that's just an arc. <laughs> <laughs> so, whatever. I have to I have to cheat here, but yeah. each creature in that area must make a DC 27 dexterity saving throw or take 6d12 plus 10 bludgeoning damage, average okay. of 43, um, and be knocked prone on a failed save. Or, yeah. of course, half as much on a successful one and not be knocked prone. I want to see the dude who could take a tail whip from Godzilla and just stand there. <laughs> be like, no, that was nothing, you big lizard. Yeah. And then we get to his all-important breath weapon. Uh, just like any other breath weapon, it recharges on a 5 or a 6. Uh, but Dayuma, uh, Daisuma exhales a beam of pure energy in a 120-foot line that is 10 feet wide. Oofa doofa. Each creature in that area must make a DC 26 dexterity saving throw or take 15 D10 radiant damage. That's an average of 82 Almighty. on a failed save or half as much on a successful. That's bananas. This does tons of damage. You don't want him to use it, which is why there's incentive to hit him in the mouth and prevent yeah. him from Just recharging. Just punching him in the gob. Yep. Um, however, there's another caveat here. He's got legendary actions. Yes, he of does. course. He's got the tail sweep. Use his tail attack. Or he can use his recharge ability. Oh, that which sucks. Which means he can roll to see if his breath weapon recharges. So if he didn't do it on his turn, he can try another three times before his next turn comes around. And if he succeeds, well. Yep. And uh, his last one is his breath weapon, which costs two actions. But he uses his breath weapon if it's recharged. So yeah, his whole shtick is that breath weapon. God. Then he's got those mythic actions we talked about. Right. Um, so if Daisuma's Unstoppable Force trait has activated in the last hour, it can use the options below as legendary actions. Instant recharge. Daisuma's breath weapon recharges. He doesn't have to roll well, for that it anymore. sucks. Yep. <laughs> and then, uh, now this is another one that I pulled from other Godzilla movies. We obviously don't see it in this one. Right. And in fact, it's very rarely used in other movies. But he has a, an energy pulse. Um, basically, Daisuma explodes with radiant energy in a 60-foot radius centered on itself, which is actually pretty small considering, but yeah. whatever. Any creature within that area must then make a DC 26 dexterity saving throw or take 5d10 radiant damage and 5d10 force damage. Fuck. So that's 27 average each. Um, and then be pushed 60 feet away. 
if they succeed the saving throw, they take half as much damage and they're not flushed. So yeah, the second wave of Godzilla, uh, the second wave of Daisuma is fucking rough. Yeah, I, I really love mythic actions. Like, I love the fact that it's, it, it feels very much like a RPG boss, like mm-hmm. a JRPG boss where it's like, oh no, he, he we triggered his, his next form and now he's super mad at us. Yep. He's glowing red. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and that's kind of what I wanted to go with this. Um, I can't imagine, like, th- this fight would be insanely difficult. Oh, yeah. Like, just incredibly. But that's also supposed, that's kind of the point. Yeah. Too, so, um, Get your mages up to a high point and just have them, use, like, yep. use artillery spells. Yep. Um, although I, I was thinking about it, and one of the reasons that at the end of it there, I decided to do split the damage between radiant and force. Because uh-huh. I realized that if you was fighting something that was immune to radiant damage, oh man, it, <laughs> it would be so useless. He would have problems fighting an ASMR. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, radiant ASMR. Right. Mona what? could take him. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. Mona coming from hell could take him. <laughs> She's busy at the moment. Yeah, she is, but... Um, Mona's one of my favorite RPG characters that I've made for D&D. She had an epic end, too. <laughs> she got eaten by... Uh, by Tiamat. By Tiamat and fought her way out of hell. <laughs> yep. So, um, but there you have it. Um, that is my Godzilla stat block. This episode is two hours long, almost. This is a chunky episode, it's man. A thick, it's a thick sode. 20, uh, 20, uh, or 20, two hours before editing. I'm yeah. very tired. I've been going for, let's see, what time is it? It is 9.14. I have been going for 14 hours. Neat. Non-stop. Well, <laughs> we're, we're about done. So, um, what else can be said? Yeah. I mean, this, this is a longer episode because th- this is my... Uh, it needed to be. It, it had. I, there was no way it couldn't yeah. be. Um, I probably could have cut down the synopsis quite a bit, but nah, I don't care. I yeah, this, I wanted this to gush to over this movie so much. We have, I, have, I had a lot of fun talking about this one. I'm glad. I, I have been thinking about this one for weeks, months even. Um, but yeah, and, and if you did sit through this, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed it as much as, even half as much as yeah. I did uh, at talking about it. But um, yeah, thank you. Um, yep. I'll try Let's We'll keep this end real short. Check us out. Uh, we got our stat blocks up in various mm-hmm. places. Listen to another episode if you want to know where. <laughs> or check the description. That's probably the best thing. Yeah. Um, and hey Matt, we need, we need to do next movie. Oh, that's... Uh, yes, we do. Uh, Chris, yeah. the next one is your choice. What yep. are we doing? Well, it's uh, anniversary of another big movie. Uh, so we're going to have to get ourselves a bigger boat, Matt. We're doing Jaws. Yeah. I know. Da-da, 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 da-da. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we uh, we discussed this one ahead of time, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it was pre-planned out because this next episode is actually going to be releasing on the same day yeah. that they are bringing back Jaws and IMAX. Yeah. So I think that's pretty apropos. Um, We're not going to get the chance to go see that because no. we don't have an IMAX theater in... In our town. In this place where we are. <laughs> this <laughs> this hellhole. Um, this little whatever it is. <laughs> This, this small this town that wants to be a big city, or is it a city that wants to be a small town? I forget I what know. I forget what it's, it's called. It's a problem. What it is? It is. Anyway, um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Check us out uh, on Twitter. We've got our various places. Chris, uh, you can, can find, find you. You can find me at the library C. That's C E E. I'm back in the thick of painting X Men stuff. Yeah, including the Fantastic Four. Yeah, your invisible wound looks really good. By the oh, way, good. Thank you. 
Um, and then I like course, my Super Scroll. <laughs> <laughs> Came out really good too. Um, and then uh, of course you can find me on Twitter. I am at Danny underscore Hamsteak. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Bye. Why do you